what companies need to do, especially in 2023 right now, is help your customers tell a really good ROI story. This is Go-To-Market Magic. The show where we talk to go-to-market leaders and visionaries about the aha moments they've experienced. And the pivotal decisions that they've made. All in the name of growth. We don't just mean the growth that goes up and to the right. Although that's nice too. We're talking about how they improve their teams, their industry, their careers, and even their lives. Because growth isn't quite what it used to be. I'm Heather Cole. And I'm Steve Watt. Let's uncover some of the magic that makes it happen. Okay, Steve, who are we talking to today? Sangram Vajray. I, he's a fascinating guy. I've known Sangram for years. Uh, you know, a lot of people know Sangram from his background in account-based marketing. I mean, he was one of the real leaders in that movement, but he's gone on to be so much more than that. You know, he's, he's co-founder and CEO of GTM Partners, uh, a data-driven analyst firm that that is really helping firms get a handle on what it takes to thrive in today's world. Uh, in his own, he's in his own background, he's been through a lot of growth. I mean, he led marketing at Pardot, which was acquired by Exact Target, which was in turn acquired by Salesforce. I mean, what a crazy amount of growth that was. And then he co-founded Terminus, which went through their own tremendous growth cycle. I mean, he, he's he's got a lot of interesting perspectives on what it really takes to thrive. Yeah, you know, I've always known him as the king of ABM. And, I, you know, he obviously from his background, he knows so much and has experienced so much about growth at different sizes of companies as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. Sangro, great to see you. I'm so glad you joined us on the show today. We'd like to get to know you just a little better. So we're going to do our lightning round of questions. Sangram, looking back, what role shaped you in ways that you just didn't expect? Uh, my role at uh, marketing at Pardot, uh, because at that time, Pardot was a 100-people company. Then we got acquired by Exact Target, And then all of a sudden, we became part of this 500-people company. And then six months later, Salesforce acquired us. And now I became part of this 10,000-people company. So that time was just insanely beautiful. What manager or mentor from your past had the biggest impact on you and your career and why? Well, I mean, from a faith perspective, like I'm a big, big fan of Jesus. So as a mentor, I've always thought about and looked at like, well, if he can serve people like Jesus did, it'd be great. So that's my personal role model and mentor. So I love this one. What is your business superpower and what is your kryptonite? Ooh, it's actually the same thing. It is literally the same thing. So I'm big on ideas. So if I can, and I'll have a hundred million ideas just going through my head all the time. And as a result of that, I would spout out those ideas and tell people about all of that. So having ideas is good, but I can hold off on a few of them because not everybody needs to know every single thing going on in my brain. Tell us a little bit about your, your current venture, what kind of companies you're working with and, and specifically how you really help them thrive. So when we wrote the book, Move, and it hit Wall Street Journal bestseller, we started to get a whole bunch of inbound on like, hey, can you help with go to market? And it wasn't as acute as it is right now. So the book has just continued to do much better. But we found out there are 15 common go to market problems. Uh, if you go to go to marketpartners.com, it's literally listed out there. So there, every company has at least three to five of these go to market problems straight up. As an example, my churn is killing my business, or uh, I can't predict forecast for the next two quarters. 
We hear this a lot. Our, your customer, our customer loves us, but they can't show ROI or uh, the team is not aligned at marketing sales and customer success are out of sync. So we have these 15 go-to-market problems very clearly identified. And note, I'm saying go-to-market problems, not marketing, not sales, not product, go-to-market problems. So what we do is we literally say, tell us what your go-to-market is or help them with the assessment and literally help them go fix it in the next 90 days. That's one of the most typical engagement we do. In addition to that, we have a very proprietary partnership with G2 that allows us to look at behind the scenes, the category movement. We want to look at what's the next new category. What is the adjacent category? Where the market moving? What the intent looks like? There's a lot of different places we could go. I want to focus on flywheels. You start early in the book saying flywheels are the new funnels. Take a moment and explain for our audience really what you mean. I think everyone's familiar with the concept of funnels. What are you really getting at with flywheels? Most of my career, Steve, I have been so focused on net new acquisition and this this fine tuning this funnel, either is upside down or sideways or any other way you would see a funnel. And I've been obsessed. And I think most of us in marketing uh, would probably confess that that's the obsession. That's what the demand waterfalls of the world and others taught us to do. And we did that. And what I've learned, especially through COVID and where we are in this efficient growth mode that every organization is right now, is that now, for the first time, I learned that, well, maybe instead of just focusing on fine-tuning this funnel, we need to really focus on our existing customers and not just for the sake of, oh, that sounds great, we should be customer-obsessed, but financially, it makes sense. So, for example, uh, I wish I knew this before as an operator. If I work, if my company has 120% NRR, which is net revenue retention, which means I can sell to existing customers more of my products. If I have 120% NRR, I can double my revenue every five years without adding a single new customer. When you put that in context, that's the flywheel effect. That, that means you can grow as a business without net new customers. So uh, 10 years ago, Sangram, if you told him like, hey, you, know, you don't need to figure out or worry about net new customers, I'd be like, crazy, that's my job. But now I feel like my job and every marketing leader's job needs to be around how do I drive efficient growth for my business? And that doesn't have to come always from a net new customer. So that's really fascinating because especially in this, the way we're thinking about the economy now and what we're seeing from a perspective of go to market, this is not a new concept now that the macro environment is dictating that people behave this way. But I believe your book preceded that. So tell me a little bit about like the macro environment now and, and are you getting uh, more interest or more leverage with this this thought process? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's so funny. Uh, like Steve and I have worked on ABM together for many years on that concept and doing events together. And ABM, ABM was the new black. And now I think GTM is the new black. It's, uh, it's really interesting to be part of it. And I think what's also driving that most people don't really think and talk about are all the go-to-market motions. Most of us have grown up in either an inbound or ABM outbound motion. And that's pretty much how we define any and everything around go-to-market. But if you really think about it now, most organizations, most leaders are faced with inbound, outbound, PLG, channel-led, event-led, community-led, ecosystem-led, like seven different go-to-market motions that they have to figure out how do I work with. My board is saying go PLG and then somebody is saying that no, go ABM. 
and how do I pull all that together in the existing funnels and metrics that we have? It is, it is mind-boggling. So in many ways, that this, this COVID and this efficient growth model has forced all of us to recognize that there is more than one way to go to market. The question is, what is the right way for your organization? And even more importantly, what is the right way for the product that you're taking to the marketplace? Because not every product in your company has to fit in with that one go-to-market motion that you and I grew up with. It's standard practice when you start talking about go-to-market to talk about alignment. Sales, marketing, customer success, they need to be aligned. Easily said, really hard to do. In practical terms, in operational terms, what does it take to get aligned? I mean, does that mean that those three teams all need to report to the same leader? Does it mean they have to have the same North Star metric? Like, what does it really mean to go beyond paying lip service to alignment and making it real? Oh, man, it's, it's a hard question, Steve, because I think everybody knows the need for it, but everybody's challenged with it. Uh, we, we, as go-to-market partners, we, have, we are helping a ton of companies apply this principle called the CAT framework, Clarity, Alignment, and Team. And what it really does is to help, like, look, we all know what the problem, there are problems, there are concerns, there are challenges. Maybe it's a marketing issue going on with certain things and sales. The problem is none of us individually can solve the problem. And most of us are very familiar with whenever there's leads not coming in, oh, it's marketing's problems. Sales not closing, oh, it must be the sales team. Let's fire the sales team and then get a new, new set of people. Automatically, problems are gonna solve. Never happened. Um, customer success. Oh, you know, churn. We get we get churn is killing our business. Maybe the customer success team is junior. Maybe maybe we need to get a new success team. And and we go through this motion as if the problem seems to be solved by a single department. But if we are really mature about it, what I have been helping companies think about: you don't have a marketing problem, you do not have a sales problem, you do not even have a customer success or a product problem. What we all have is a go-to-market problem. What that helps companies think about is that, well, wait a minute, that means that a single department cannot solve that problem. So let's say you have a marketing issue going on that you think, which is we are not getting net new leads for a particular product. Maybe your product needs to change and maybe your product is a PLG and now we need to drive a different go-to-market motion that will drive inbound for it. So a product can be the answer to the marketing problem that you're solving for. So until you bring these teams together in a room, it's really hard. Uh, and it's not typically just go bring these people in a room and do it. It does require a North Star metric. And I think NRR is one of those metrics. So is it metric-based alone or is it also reporting structure? Because, you know, CRO is the new title where we see organizations where they have marketing, sales, and success all going into one. Does that really solve the problem? No, I have not seen as much. Um, most organizations really CRO is a glorified role for a, for a salesperson. It really, it does not include marketing and sales in it. Most marketers do not want to report into a sales driven CRO. So you would not find a lot of marketing leaders reporting into that, which means then all of a sudden the CRO has only sales and customer success. And there again is the gap. Most organizations are struggling with this, like in a big time, in a big way. And, and one of the biggest roles I'm seeing is solidifying and helping this thing is the RevOps. RevOps is starting to become a truly unifying role because typically a RevOps person or a team should report into the CEO or a CFO or a COO. Not CMO, not CRO, not any other role, but really one of those top three roles purely because they need to have 
the depth of understanding of what's happening in the business and be able to, without any bias, be able to say that, hey, you know, I don't think think the problem is here. I think the problem is there. And there's no other person in the team that actually can have that unbiased response than a RevOps leader. So I think what's moving more towards what we are seeing from a go-to-market research perspective is that RevOps is really almost the second most important role in most organizations. So a strong shared North Star metric, most likely net retention, uh, a strong independent RevOps function reporting to the CEO. Anything else that we need to really uh, think hard about? The other part that we have been saying and doing and thinking about and, and getting a lot of research on is a very clear ROI. I was talking to CEO literally this morning around this, where they're like, look, we know our customers love us, but they can't renew with us. Every time they're about to renew, their CFO seems to be asking hard questions and our customer, even though they love it and they get it and they use it, they're not able to show ROI and therefore our product is no longer there. So we can't renew. And I've heard that too many times. And I think what companies need to do, especially in 2023 right now, is help your customers tell a really good ROI story. Like really teach them, really give them the framework to say, hey, you know what? At the end of this year, you're going to come to a place where your CFO and CEO is going to ask, hey, we need to cut 20% of our tech. And, and you need to be able to very clearly not wake up that day, but you need to have like, oh yeah, and of course we want to have efficient growth. We need to uh, take 20% of the tech down, but you cannot take this tech down because this tech does this. You have to have that answer. And if you cannot teach your customers to speak that language with their CFO and CEO, we're going to see a huge churn for a lot of different companies because by default, every uh, VC firm I'm talking to, every CEO, they're literally asking their CMO and the team's like, hey, just have them cut down by 20% and see if they can operate like that. You got to have an answer for that. So clear ROI story is going to be really important. In the past and, and even in the present, Velocity is a huge piece. How quickly can we get to it? Tell us a little bit more about how you think about that. Yeah, Velocity was one of those pieces where I did play with the word value. I was also thinking about, is it Velocity or is it some different kind of variable that keeps executives up? But the more interviews we did, like Brian Halligan, the XE of HubSpot or some of the VC folks that we interviewed for this, everybody said that, look, one of the biggest questions we have is how can we scale? And where do we scale? And that, how do we think about it? And, and when I dug deeper in it, what we found out, Brian and I, my, my co-author on this book, we found out that it's not the velocity most folks would look at that wall. Maybe it's just the ramp velocity. How quickly can we ramp an SDR to an AE? But you need to look at velocity across the board. From a go-to-market perspective, you need to look at how quickly can a marketing manager can produce net new demand if that's a velocity ramp. You need to look at how a salesperson SDR to A, that's a ramp. How a CS person can not only take care of the account, but also upsell, cross-sell. We like to call it upserve your existing customers. How quickly can they ramp to it? And, and not only for, for these go-to-market functions, but almost all areas of your company. So the ramp, the velocity part is a big driver for a lot of companies. The challenge that we have seen most companies face is that nobody's tracking it. Nobody's understanding more than the SDR2A. Nobody else looks at anything else and they make this spreadsheet decisions of saying, well, we should just cut this down and we should cut that down. Oh, once SCS person is fine for 20 accounts, 
but nobody's actually looking at the ramps. And if the companies that we saw that are focused on ramps, how quickly can I make my salesperson or CS person or marketing person ready to do X? Oh, wow. They're, they're doing really, really good. Going back to the point you made a few minutes ago, I've just been stewing around in my head. You said CS needs to get better at teaching their customers to tell an ROI story. Most or a lot of CS teams, at least those that I've seen, get stuck at the product feature level. You know, they're experts in the product. They're not necessarily particularly seasoned in the business. How do you get over that? I mean, is that a training function or how do you really help your CS team to become true business advisors who can lead that ROI conversation? Oh, it's a very hard problem to solve right now. And I mean, traditionally, companies have solved with the TEI report, the Total Economic Impact Report that, you know, Forrester Gartner. As go-to-market partners, we partnered with G2 to help with the reviews and show proper ROI, so use case best. So we help a ton of different companies with ROI studies. But the problem is not creating any of these reports. You absolutely should have something to support that because CFO is going to probably pay attention to a third-party validated ROI story. What's really important for a CS person is to understand the, the reasons why that individual bought that particular product and what goals they had and keep on it, keep on it. A lot of times, because the point of contact changes, because priorities change, people just forget what the rules were when they started and they haven't really adjusted to it. So by the time the renewal comes, either the point of contact person is completely different or their goals have completely changed and nobody has taken the time to look at that. And even furthermore, because most CS people are a much more of a serving mindset, they're all about, hey, I'm there for you, I'm right there, they're more about responding back. They need to get out of that mode and actually recognize themselves as partners. And I'm here to make you, I'm here to really get you promoted. That's the mindset they need to have as a CS leader. And when you start thinking about like, my job is to make this person get promoted, that will mean that my job is to make this person's job better, faster, easier. So a lot of times I've seen CS people create executive decks for them. Say, hey, this is what you need to present at your next. This is how you should show the overall value, not just of my product, but the overall value of what you do in your organization. That requires a lot of strategic thinking, which is why I'm so bullish on the fact that in 2023, the companies that will really focus on NRR their top set of customers, keep them, retain them, and accelerate with them, they're going to be the ones who are going to come out there not only surviving, but thriving. One final question before we let you go, Sangram. At the top of the show, Heather asked you about your business superpower. I was anticipating you were going to say community building because you've done such an exceptional job of that. You did it around ABM. You were one of the leaders in teaching marketers to think differently and operate differently. I presume you're doing it again on around GTM. What, what are you doing on the community side? We're literally bringing go-to-market executives in a room and teaching the, the whole business of go-to-market. Every one of our events we do, invite only, director and above, because we believe go-to-market are business decisions. It's not, you're not talking about SEO hacks. You're, you're really talking about how do I take care of my churn problem? How do you do NRR? How do I create a better value prop? How do we go from a product to platform company? These are go-to-market problems that companies are facing. So we're trying to help educate go-to-market leaders to become and act like business leaders. And, and that's the community that we are building called Go-to-Market Made Simple Community. Beautiful. 
Well, Sangram, thank you so much for joining us today. You've given us a lot to think about, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again. Sounds great, Steve. Thank you so much, Heather. It was so good to see you and appreciate the time with uh, both of you. So talking to Sangram is always fascinating because he just knows so much about the go-to-market engine. Yeah, I, I've known Sangram for a long time. I've long respected him. I mean, he really made his name as one of the pioneers in account-based marketing. And, and he taught a generation of marketers to think differently about marketing. And it's really cool to see him expanding now and, and tackling even bigger business problems. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how it's morphed from ABM to what ABM then became, which was really the go-to-market structure and how he's brought that and really progressed it even further. Yeah. What were your main takeaways from that conversation, Heather? So I think one of the things that struck me was his conversation about customer success piece of it and how do you measure value and thinking about it in terms of customer success. I thought it was fascinating the way that he put it as far as saying their job is to make sure that their customers get promoted as opposed to focusing on engagement with the product and making it stickier and getting the value out of the product. I think you still have to get value out of the product. You still need to demonstrate that, obviously. But switching that and flipping it, as he likes to do, and say, your job as a CS person is to think about your customer and how to make them ultimately successful, which I think is a really amazing way to put that. It also makes companies start to think about the people that they have in those roles. Because those, if you're going to make your customer successful and you are going to show that type of value, you really need to have CS organization who can deliver on that and that is enabled to actually do that. For sure. And I think it's especially true in an economic downturn. I mean, you need to be able to defend that spend. And that, that was my takeaway from that part of the conversation is that your CS team needs to get better at aligning with your customer's business outcomes, not just the capabilities of your product, but how you are really driving ROI for your customers. They have to teach their customers how to tell that ROI story up and down their organization. So when it comes time for cuts, your spend is defensible. And, and, if, and if you don't do that, you might your spend might be on the chopping block. Well, not just defensible, but spending more, which brings us to that North Star metric, yes. which with the NRR and the net revenue retention is about how much more are they going to spend with us. So what do you think about that? Oh, yeah. Th I mean, that's probably my top takeaway is everyone talks about alignment, but what does it really mean in practice? I thought Sangram was going to talk more about reporting structure. I thought he was going to talk about the rise of the CRO. Now, he did talk about the importance of RevOps, and that that's an area we could talk about. But I thought he was going to talk about CROs and in these various departments reporting to one you know, one single person who owns revenue, but that's not where he went. He, he focused on a shared North Star metric and, and specifically that net retention and that it's less about who you report to and more about what outcomes you drive. And if you can get sales and marketing and CS all really focused on that single metric, then that's how you get alignment. I thought that was a really interesting perspective. Yeah, I like it that it's taking it to the measurement and away from the management of the functions because it also becomes less personal. And it's one thing that people can really focus on. No matter what we're seeing in different industries and sizes of companies and how they're handling that, the actual 
measurement and how you're looking at the outcome of it is so much more important than looking at the reporting structure. Absolutely. Great, great conversation. Absolutely. If you enjoyed this episode, follow the show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And check out go to market magic.com for show notes and resources. Mm-hmm.